The Guardian. Welcome to Science Weekly. We're following the COVID-19 outbreak and exploring some of the scientific questions that have come out of it. In today's episode, we're looking at conspiracy theories. Now, many people are getting their information about coronavirus through social media, but not everything that's shared online can be trusted. 5G mast on fire. Lowers your immunity and runs people down. The coronavirus pandemic is opening up weird new horizons for online conspiracy theorists. The virus was bioengineered in a lab by scientists to be used as a weapon or a form of population control. Hi guys, do you know what you're doing now? You're laying 5G. Yeah. So you know that kills people. It absorbs oxygen. That's just nonsense dangerous nonsense as well. 5G was a favourite target of conspiracy theorists long before the new coronavirus appeared, and now the myths have just been tweaked a bit. It's not merely an opinion or an interesting conspiracy, it's just bollocks. So what is it about conspiracy theories that make them so appealing in a time of crisis, and how can we best combat them? I'm Ian Sample, the science editor at The Guardian, and this is Science Weekly. I'm Dr. Daniel Jolly. I'm a senior lecturer in psychology based at Northumbria University in Newcastle in the UK. And my expertise is in the psychology of conspiracy theories. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me here. So, Dan, let's start with the basics. What is a conspiracy theory as opposed to misinformation, say? So the real difference with a conspiracy theory is the idea that there's a powerful group plotting something secret for their own gain. So something can just be fake, that there's no hidden motive behind it. And that is a kill difference. It's pointing the finger at a group of people and blaming them for the wrongdoings, blaming them for the virus, for example. What is it about conspiracy theories generally that makes them so appealing to us? Well, conspiracy theories in general have been shown to arise in moments of crisis, when we have the need to feel in control, to feel certain. And in these kind of rapid crises, we feel threatened. We feel unsure what is happening, which is exactly what is happening with COVID-19. I always thought that um, believing in conspiracy theories would make people feel more anxious, but it sounds like actually they have the opposite effect. Well, it's a real interesting, real interesting point there. People who have this need to feel in control, the influence on them actually may just be quite temporal. They may seem appealing, but they're not satisfying. Because it's shown that people who are exposed to conspiracy theories actually have further mistrust to those around them. They actually increases their feelings of anxiety. Often it's because if you then subscribe to one conspiracy belief, you then start questioning other things, which means that it can then rampen up your mistrust and your kind of feel a feeling of uncertainty of you living in your society. So when they emerge in times of crisis, they may temporarily make us feel more secure, but that will not be long lasting. This must be um, a bit of a boom time for you as someone who studies conspiracy theories. I mean, we've seen, you know, a bunch of them around recently from 5G masks to man-made viruses coming out of Chinese labs. I mean, what is it about a pandemic that seems to drive so many? COVID-19 is not unique in regards to having conspiracy theories bloom about it. 
Thinking back to Zika of 2015, there were conspiracy theories suggesting Zika was a man-made weapon. Zika is a mosquito-transmitted virus that has led to travel warnings in South America and Caribbean countries. Is Zika caused by genetically modified mosquitoes? We're fact-checking this conspiracy theory making the rounds on Facebook. It's found that the conspiracy narrative emerged when people were talking about extreme uncertainty. So when they felt uncertain, the narrative about conspiracy theories was more blooming. And the same thing is happening with COVID-19. The Trump administration has repeatedly pushed the narrative that the coronavirus may have escaped from a Chinese laboratory in Wuhan rather than originating with an animal in a seafood market in Wuhan, which is the leading medical theory. Because the world is definitely chaotic and it offers some kind of tangible person or group to blame for what is happening. It sounds like then that it's pretty typical to see conspiracy theories spring up around any big event. Do you think we're just seeing more now or we're aware of more now because they're spreading through social media? There's no hard data that demonstrates that today with the internet, conspiracies are more popular. So it may just be us assuming they are. I think it's important, though, to really look into this and to see the power that social media can have. Thinking about the 5G conspiracy, it seemed to emerge from social media, where the algorithms on Facebook picked up chatter with regards to the 5G and brought it into the trending. And then during videos, people in the comments were talking about the masks and how one way to stop COVID is via the masks and pulling them down, etc. So that's something that's potentially quite novel in that that fast inter interaction may have actually sped up the kind of insurgence of the conspiracy. It's a real interesting problem with regards to Facebook and social media in general and how they deal with conspiracy theories because someone's conspiracy theory is someone's truth in essence. So it's how do we define what a conspiracy theory is? And indeed, by banning, for example, conspiracy theories on platforms, will just reaffirm the suspicions that people have, that they're trying to hide something. So it may actually increase people's conspiracy theorizing because they are being silenced. So it's that, it's that balance of ensuring there's a, a space and a platform for people to have free speech, to be able to discuss issues and to you know, question things, which I think is important that we question. But then the balance comes by that things aren't made into the trending pages that are not based on truth. So right now, Facebook and etc. are taking down content that they see to be inciting violence and that can actually be a hinder to curbing COVID-19, which I think is a positive first step, but it's not going to fix the issue as a broad issue in the future. So maybe it's thinking more about the individual as well and ensure the individual has the skill sets to really ask the questions, but also evaluate the evidence. So we know those people who lack critical thinking abilities are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. And we also know that people who believe in conspiracies, it's because they want to understand the world, but they're struggling to evaluate the evidence. So potentially us trying to instill those skill sets may mean that they're able to resist the conspiracy narrative. Let's talk a bit more about the psychology of people who believe in conspiracy theories or tend to believe in them. Are there characteristics or personality traits that make people maybe more susceptible to these kinds of 
theories than others. There are a range of different needs that are met by conspiracy theories. But there's also kind of a social element whereby we want to affirm ourselves and also the groups that we belong in. And interestingly, research in America has found that with regards to politics, the conspiracy theories switch depending on who is in power. So it's very much a process is in play here where you're just affirming your, your identity. The others, those are the ones who are conspiring. And that can change depending on the context. It sounds like some other sort of traits might come into play as well around how people see themselves, their social self-image, but also whether people have been sort of marginalized in the past. Absolutely. So research has found that being a narcissist is more predictive of you believing in conspiracy theories. And also it has been shown that people who are from disadvantaged groups, because if you have received discrimination in the past, you may be more likely to perceive that people are out to get you because once upon a time, they may be, they were. So prior experiences may also play a role in making you more susceptible. And then when you're in an environment that increases your uncertainty, increases your threat, like COVID-19, you may be more susceptible to subscribe to these conspiracy theories. And indeed, a consistent finding in the literature is that if you believe in one conspiracy, you believe in many others. Also, interestingly, research has found that you can believe in mutually exclusive conspiracy theories because it's all based around this worldview that there are conspiracy theories in the world. So that means that someone may believe that the virus is human-made whilst also believing it's caused by 5G. Whilst these two things can't necessarily happen at the same time, it's in this process of if you distrust our society, our people who perceive to be in power, you can describe to these ideas. When I've seen conspiracy theorists talking about their beliefs, it's clear that there's a real urge to pull together strands of evidence and to collect evidence and, and say, pull together these sort of disparate things. And many of them seem to see themselves as like the real critical thinkers. But I'm, I'm wondering what kind of biases are coming into play there that are actually within those people to make them believe these kinds of theories. One of the biases is confirmation bias that we're all susceptible to. This is the idea that we only really listen to evidence that supports our prior beliefs. Things that go against it, that discredit our beliefs, we ignore. There's also biases based around personality bias. With COVID-19, it's such a large event worldwide. To explain this as something from animals doesn't really make sense. But to explain this as a conspiracy where it was human-made, the proportionality matches the cause. It all kind of fits together. So we can, in situations where these events arise, be more drawn to conspiracy narratives. We then stay in our echo chambers in our online world. It can be tough debating and arguing with people who believe in conspiracy theories. And, you know, okay, some of them are, are harmless, but, but some of them really aren't. I mean, as someone who studies them, do you have a sense of how best we can combat them, the ones that are dangerous? Interventions are really challenging, but of course, as you say, they're really important. So potentially targeting the general population and targeting those who are hardened conspiracy theorists may be slightly different. 
So, for example, we know that using counter arguments, giving people facts can reduce belief in conspiracy theories. But if you harbor a conspiracy belief and you see some counter material from the government, you are going to discredit that because of your confirmation bias. So indeed, for others, it may be having people become trusted messengers where you're not aggressive, but instead talk to them about their beliefs. Get them to really kind of think hard about the evidence that they are you know, really kind of suggesting is the be and end all. And that maybe that kind of thinking process and get them to reevaluate may start changing their beliefs. Of course, this I am sure would work for the general population as well. Um, so I think with ensuring that the landscape on Twitter and Facebook is full full of facts is really important. But then still acknowledging that those who are the hardest end of the conspiracy theorizing may distrust that straight away. So it's definitely a, it's a challenge, but I think it's important to really evaluate. Dan, finally, how do you think you fare in all of this? I mean, do you feel you're immune to conspiracy theories that you can tell pretty much on contact whether something's uh, real or BS? <laughs> it's really difficult to tell the truth from, from the untruth or from the, from the fake news. But the conspiracy is always based around pointing the finger at those in authority and suggesting that they are conspiring. I try and have trust in the gatekeepers where I also trust the journalists to ask the questions. And the conspiracy theories that have been driven to be true have always been driven by journalism. So having the trust in a society that if a conspiracy is occurring, it will come out via these natural processes. Wonderful stuff. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks to Dan for joining me this week. As we continue to follow the COVID-19 outbreak, we'd love to keep hearing your questions. You can send them in via the form we've set up. Just head over to theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions. That's all one word. And also thank you for your support as listeners. In times like this, trusted news is more important than ever. And here at The Guardian, we are 100% committed to accurate and reliable news. But in order to help us do that, we need your support. To find out more, please go to theguardian.com forward slash support podcast. Again, all one word. Look after yourselves and stay well. See you back here soon. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.